you're not in a room now where Jay's gonna. No, he's again. working. He's okay. working. Oh, so. I forgot about that. That was awesome. <laughs> he is at work. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. Matt, would you do the honors? Yeah. Which one did you want to do? The cage one. I'm nervous. Okay. Kate, wait, so, why am I nervous? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so intimidating. <laughs> so this was actually taught to me by the lady who gave me my vaccine while she was giving me my vaccine, <laughs> which it was an awesome time. But she said, essentially, it's it's an ethics experiment where if it were possible to put somebody in a cage and they would basically suffer on behalf of humanity and humanity wouldn't have to suffer. So they would like, it would be for their whole life. And I'm not positive if this is the way it's initially designed, but I like to think that they're mortal. You know, it's not like there's some immortal being like, so basically they can die and we would have to choose another person. But all of humanity is good. If this one person goes in a cage, can I choose who goes in the cage? Well, that's part of it is like, it would be just a social thing. It would be like part of the world where like, there's just some dude sitting in a cage he suffers and humanity is like good to go. But so I can't choose who goes in the cage. Not specifically. I mean, you might be able to. There might have to be a governing body. If I say yes, then it's like my fiance is going to be the one in the cage or something. And I'm never going to forgive myself. Like that's, that's what I picture. Because I have I have seen animes like that. You can't. Like I know. Yeah, that's a real I know Twilight that if I say yes, then Jay ends up in a cage. Well, I think like the one, the way she pitched it to me, at least it doesn't have like that veil of ignorance necessarily where you, you don't know if it's going to be like somebody in your life and it could be, I mean, that can definitely play a role in it, but I think it's more about just the abstract, like the ethics of that. Like, would it be ethical for one person to suffer on behalf of the many? I mean, yes and no. Cause like, let's be real. If they don't, then how many people are in jail cells unjustly right now? You know? like Yeah. Yeah. How many people are actually in cages? How many children are in cages? Like, yeah, yeah. Too yeah, many. So if one point. dude has to go in a cage and nobody else is in a cage, I'm I'm for it, but I don't want to be the one to do it. Like if I yeah. could not have to dirty my hands, I'm all mm. for it. That yeah. sounds awful. <laughs> See, and that was my initial take on it too. But then I kind of thought about it more as like, well, let's say – this was just a feature in our world as we know it today. And it's not necessarily one of us picking the person or it's not even one of us picking the suffering. It becomes an issue of like, how do we define suffering? Yeah. How Who much do we pick? Who picks? <laughs> and yeah. what happens when that person dies? Does the, the body or the person who picked the individual to go in the cage remain in perpetuity? What do they do in the meantime? Or do There's they so reassemble? So it's like, this. yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting. Cause it's like, you know, if you think like, say the governing, say there was like a panel that picked, because mm-hmm. we all agreed, like it has to be democratic in that way. Let's say it ended up being the way that our Senate works, where like every few years, it might be like all Republicans or it might be all Democrats. It's going to be a very different person in that cage every so often. And they might be in there for very different reasons that we might not be comfortable with, you know, like the person that they de- deem to be bad enough that they're deserving of this suffering forever might just be someone who believes in like equal rights for certain epics, you know, (laughs) so it gets really tricky, you know? (laughs) So follow-up question. We're assuming that this person is mortal. Yep. So does this imply that after they die, a new person goes in or is it just a one-time scapegoat? 
That's how I like to think about it. Like, like I said, I don't know if that's how it was originally composed, but I liked personally to imagine. Wait, you it. found this out while getting a vaccine? <laughs> yeah, it was nuts, dude. <laughs> it was a great day. I had a really what fun time getting that vaccine. Thing. What person? What <laughs> medical practitioner sat there and asked you this? It was great. I went in with, I had a little uh, book called the Socrates Express with me and I was just going to read it in the waiting room after. And the lady who was giving it to me, she was like, holy shit, like, is that a philosophy book? I was like, yeah, I'm just starting it. It seems pretty good. And she took some courses and she's like, oh man, have you ever heard of this? Like, do you like doing thought experiments? I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> no one in my life does. <laughs> it's all I do in my head. And we just had a great old time. And, uh, that makes a lot more sense. I thought she was just giving you the poke and then randomly was like, hey, you know what I want to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we were in there for a while. Like we were holding up the line. There was a lot of people there and we were just, I gave her the trolley problem. She gave me the cage and we just went through them both in the little cubicle. And then she gave me the shot. Like this is before <laughs> she had given me the shot. So it was a blast. She's a cool lady. Yeah, that sounds like a rom-com. <laughs> Your life sounds like the plot of a rom-com. Okay, so where do we land on this? The Is it one and done? Is it Jesus, uh, savior of all mankind, and then oh my God. we just have eternity of, of grace? Well, they both lead you in very different directions. So, I mean, I think they're both valuable ways of looking at it. Like, okay. I think the, the culpability of humans and some of the fallibility of humans in this whole situation really comes to light when the person's mortal. Yeah. But if they're immortal, then it keeps it kind of abstract and it takes away some of those, you know, functional difficulties that would emerge. Yeah. Well, cause I know a lot of people who would view this in the macro lens and be like, well, mm. Jesus already made this sacrifice and yeah. he was the sacrificial lamb, the, the final sacrificial lamb. And, and now we no longer have to do any, uh, any sacrificing of our own and like that was yeah but we're saying let's say that we needed this i i get that like if we i know people again. That would say that. <laughs> <laughs> this is hypothetical <laughs> um where do i stand on this i stand on a, i'm okay with it if i don't have to choose and if that makes me a bad person then i guess i'm a bad person but mm. i know how many people are in cages right now so mm. it only has to be one then yeah is it a lottery system oh that would be interesting yeah lottery might be the fairest yeah that would be the fairest but yeah i'm telling you it would be rigged it would be yeah. rigged for whoever choose would lose someone no i mean i think you're right though like that's why i think like in a theoretical sense something like this is way more cut and dry, but when you actually apply human beings to it, it becomes so subjective so fast that it yeah. might not work from any perspective. Because even the idea of suffering, how would you define suffering? Because some person that likes to inflict pain and they get pleasure through inflicting pain, you would be depriving them of pleasure if you deprive someone else of suffering. So there's kind of weird mm. angles you can look at it from where it becomes just like, I don't it's kind of like I have this feeling about the death penalty a little bit sometimes where like there's certain ways that you could look at that from like a utilitarian point of view and have it make sense. But we're nowhere near infallible enough as a species to wield that kind of power. Oh, for sure. On not. like an institutional level. I actually think that like suffering needs to be more clearly defined for this because as we're bringing up like children in cages or people unjustly imprisoned, if we put 
so-and-so, if we put a scapegoat in a cage, you know, whether it's a one-time scapegoat, whether it's mortal or immortal, laying off all of the burdens onto one person and then there's no more suffering. Like, if we're talking about sort of the more first world suffering, then no. Like, let the people suffer. Yeah, but if we're saying all of humanity. If there, yeah, and then there's also, if it would end world hunger, if it would end children being in cages, if it would end injustice, uh, suffering born of injustice, then yes, this would be worth looking into. If it would end, but when you say all suffering, what I see is like it's it's just enveloped within it. Like there's a lot of things in there that would be considered suffering that are worth living and suffering worth enduring as a human mm. that would be enveloped in that overall umbrella term of suffering that I would be wary of getting rid of. Yeah. So I think no, it's I important agree. to define suffering in this case. Fair. I'd say suffering not as a struggle that makes somebody who they are, but suffering is in like, genuine pain mm -hmm. like genuine suffering not as in inconveniences aren't suffering right so i i'd say as long as it is suffering dictionary definition world hunger enslavement and human rights and justice level suffering then yeah but if it's day-to-day -day life lacking sleep and things of that and that's not suffering and yeah if you get rid of that then you're not really even living because mm. challenges aren't suffering so if you yeah. get rid of that then like you're not you're not going to actually be living yeah but if it's true suffering then yes put that person in a cage i just don't want to know about because well, <laughs> imagine if this had like a butterfly effect sort of thing retroactively imagine if like this happened and someone was scapegoated and as soon as that's enacted retroactively you see what would have happened if if that applied to all of mankind and then suddenly there is no art in the world you know what i mean like that's what i mean you oh, there's some yeah, yeah there's some, like you if this applies to no one would ever have the chemical imbalance that causes clinical depression anymore like fuck that <laughs> <laughs> I want my imbalances. And I know how much people struggle with that. I know how much I've struggled with that, but mm. I would want to keep that around because for some people, it is maybe not beneficial isn't the right word, but like you get something out of it. You know, it's it, mm. again, suffering worth enduring. You would see a very different world though, if that chemical imbalance still existed, but retroactively and in the present time as well, hunger was solved. Mm. Or, you know, the criminal justice system made sense and has made sense for all time. Mm. You know what I mean? There would probably be a lot more people occupying the planet. Yeah. But it wouldn't be a problem because they wouldn't be suffering. They'd all have enough food, like we'd have enough resources. But there would still be those people who were just plagued by kind of general human condition mm. things. There would still be people plagued by desire there would still be people yeah. plagued by mental illness but maybe not suffering rot of systemic injustice well then there's like ali you made a good point with like the um the idea of you don't know about it 
like that changes it too. Cause it, it yeah. totally does. Like, especially if you look at it kind of more like a utilitarian or something where it's like, it might be just from a lot of vantage points, morally wrong <laughs> in the context of what's happening to that person, but it's leading to the well-being of every other person in the world. I'd like to imagine in, if in an alternate reality, they're debating the opposite thing. Do we get rid of the few people that are suffering for the world to suffer? Because that that's the thing. You never know. You, you, we don't know what the world would be like without suffering. That's all it's ever been. Um, so if there was a world with no suffering and everyone was so obnoxiously happy all the time and that became utilitarian and that, that became, you know, a dystopian society then there'd probably be some Katniss Hunger Game thing going on where it's like, we have to free the man in the cage, free the man in the cage. Right. And there'd be a whole thing like that, you know? So either way, it's, we're humans. We're going to mess it up somehow, I'm sure. Well, also, if it's <laughs> I a, know that's it, a depressing thought. But. And if it's a lottery system, it becomes Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, where there's going to be suffering because you're always going to be in fear every year or however many years that happens, you know? Like... If it, especially yeah. if it is a, if it's not a one-time thing and, you know, as soon as the first mortal scapegoat passes on, then we choose another one, like, then you're going to be always in fear that it's that it'll be you if it's like a draft system. So then mm -hmm. inherently there's going to be suffering because who's the next sacrifice? We're plotting the next young adult sci-fi novel. Well, essentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a million dollars in here somewhere. Let's be real. <laughs> But it is then. Yeah. This concept is weirdly close to so many sci-fi plots too. Like it's not exactly, but I mean, it, it, it aligns pretty well with like stuff like The Giver a little bit in mm. a different kind yep. of a way. Like this, it's, this is totally a fear. Like this must be just like an age old fear. It's Giver Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> it's Girl with the Gifts meets Giver meets Hunger Games. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, the plot of the next book. All right. <laughs> I'm just trying to tie this concept back into not Christianity necessarily, but like the story of Christ. Like if this was successful, right? If it was a one-time scapegoat and then suffering is, is done, like the kind of suffering that we can really do without. And then that is recorded in history as something that worked. And there's some kind of a danger of there being an ideology, kind of a danger of there being passed on this concept that we can, at any point in time, if suffering returns, we'll just pick another human to, mm -hmm. to sacrifice to that cage. And then, like, mm -hmm. what kind of legend arises out of that? Like, I think we've been thinking about this in, in, like, how would we view it in real time? Like, if someone was right now taking on all that suffering, taking on that burden for all of humankind... And we knew about it, we'd be fine with it. But mm -hmm. then what happens when that passes on into legend? And what happens when it becomes an ideology? Because inevitably it will, because we're humans and we're dumb. So this kind of story in perpetuity, this kind of story like canonized into history books. I think there'd be some that revolt. Yeah. There'd be some that would be like, free the man in the cage. And then there would be others that are like worship the man in the cage i don't know I, I feel like there would be you can make a cult out of anything well yeah you really can you really can <laughs> so i feel like there would be churches revolving around it and i also feel like there would be a lot of 
revolting and rebelling against it. But if suffering isn't allowed, then I, I'm not saying there'd be violence against each other if there is no such thing as suffering. Because <laughs> well, that's the other thing is then who, from that point on, who defines suffering? Yeah. If we're saying it ends a certain kind Man, of suffering, I know, I know. <laughs> but if it ends a certain kind of suffering, a few years go by and then someone's like, you know what? I desire something and I don't have it. And therefore mm. I'm suffering. That thing didn't work. We need to sacrifice more people. You know, so I think like, yeah. and that's how those cults might form because someone's going to decide that they are unhappy mm. and someone's going to decide that there's still injustice applied to them. That is way less impactful, way less uh, harmful than these than the suffering and the discomfort that the people who who felt it and whose burden was eased had been feeling prior to the sacrifice, mm -hmm. right? But then there's always going to be somebody who takes the privileged position or the entitled position of saying, "Well, I don't have this. I want to have it." Mm. This worked in the past. Let's make it work again. And then a cult arises or a movement arises or an ideology arises over how you can fix suffering in the world by sacrificing people. And then the committee forms and the committee determines who is going to be sacrificed based on ideology and not based on lottery. And then a hierarchy forms around that committee and around that process. So the problem is when something like this works or it, there's evidence that it can make people's lives better or that certain people were satisfied with it enough so that it becomes canonized or it becomes law that the most entitled and privileged people or the most influential people are going to form a hierarchy and an ideology around that thing. And then it becomes mm -hmm. law. Mm. And that's what I'd be most wary of. So we'd mess it up somehow. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. Is this a book already? Is this a book? Yeah, is it, it? should be a book. <laughs> is this a book? Like, well, actually, I want to look up who came up with the original thought experiment real quick. Too, yeah, that would be interesting to know. I'm looking it up. up. <laughs> wow! Don't just Google "man in a cage." <laughs> Gotta say thought experiment. <laughs> don't worry, I didn't. I added thought experiment to the. <laughs> That's a good call. <laughs> That's not what I did. Uh, I'm seeing one that's similar by Donald Davidson in 1987, but I know that's not the one. It's not quite it. So the question is, is your vaccinator, uh, was this just a dream? <laughs> well, like, I'm honestly wondering if she, if she made it up or if like a teacher that she had made it up or like if it was more original. Because we were talking about um, like Kantian stuff at the time, but I'm not finding it anywhere. So, I mean, were you just visited by a spirit? Do you think it's possible? I mean, <laughs> no, I've heard something similar, but there's there's been some kind of sci-fi movie of like, would you kill one person to save yourself? Like, there, there. I know for a fact I've seen something like that. It's okay. I'll yeah. just write the book and then we'll have it to reference. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what happens if go. you Google human sacrifice thought experiment. This is going to get dark. Be wary, Joel. <laughs> Oof. The first result is human sacrifice and human experimentation. Um, yeah. 
Um, okay, third one down is the trolley problem. It knows what I'm getting at. Is it okay to sacrifice one person to save many? It is kind of the trolley problem, but like yeah. different in that but suffering. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's suffering not is different life than versus lives. life. It's yeah. Su- yeah, yeah. This is different. This is fancier. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, like, really, the the root of all, especially all religious ideologies, has been this is why we suffer, and how do we a- appease the being which makes us suffer. <laughs> So I really feel like there's no way that this could happen just one time and not turn into an answer that people mm-hmm. turn to in in perpetuity and not just seen as a one-time thing. Because, again, suffering will just arise. And, I mean, you'd like to think that, that like, necessarily this would be some kind of magical force, right, that, yeah. that overtook the world. So maybe that force would prevent people from corrupting this idea and using it to bend the world to their will, but I don't know. This doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. I feel like the, the human element is important to this one because the idea of human suffering is so inextricable from what it means to be a person. So human judgment should have to factor in Yeah, on the other end as well, or else it's just kind of a panacea, which is like, it's a pretty clear, I think at that point it would be pretty clear because we'd be like just totally taking our hands off the wheel and everything would be cool. And then it's almost unethical to not do it because it's like, well, are you going to be the one person who knows better than the mystical force and stands in the way of humanity potentially mm-hmm. not having to suffer anymore? So it kind of inverts it that way. I think as fair a question is, should we rely on magic to solve systemic problems? Yeah. <laughs> Very relevant. No, I but... <laughs> I don't think the answer is yeah. It would be nice, but... Then we learn nothing. Mm. It's like cheating on a test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cheating on your homework. Ending all human suffering equated to cheating on a test. You can't just copy the answers because you, you won't learn anything. 